It's polarization that causes conflict, not differences. The problem is we other. Forgetting that all of us are first and foremost spiritual beings. We have to stop colluding with each other's spiritual amnesia in order to confront the fierce urgency of now. But, spoiler alert, to change the world, you have to change. Greetings, everyone. This is Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, also known as Rev D. I am so pleased to have you joining me this day on my Pathways to We podcast. This particular podcast is dedicated to issues that are important to us as a society. This is about collective consciousness and how we show up with one another. However, I want to make sure that you remember that there really is no difference in terms of principles between things on a large scale or small scale. There aren't different laws of gravity for a rocket ship than a tennis ball. The things that we're talking about here are the things of life. Whatever it is that's true on a collective level is also true on an individual level and um, vice versa. In fact, what we see in the collective is just the individual supersized and vice versa. What we see in the individual is just a microcosm of the whole. You can't have a warring nation unless you have warring people. You can't have a peaceful nation unless you have peaceful people. As a society, we can't be anything that the people in it are not. What we deal with in this particular podcast is what are the things that we need to be doing on both the individual and the collective level in order to create a human presence on the planet that is environmentally sustainable as well as uh, socially just. I'd like to talk today about the difference between a human right and a civil right. We often get these confused. A human right is yours just by virtue of the fact that you exist. A civil right codifies that and carries with it certain rights or privileges that come along with this basic essence of yours. This is really important to remember because too often we're fighting for civil rights, but the reason why we're not getting anywhere on the civil rights issues is because we have not first established the basic human right. For example, I contend that health is a basic human right. If health is a human right, 
then health care should also be a right. Anything and everything that we would need in order to fulfill basic human rights should be codified and protected as civil rights. I contend that we have a human right to clean water and clean air. That we have a human right to food and to sustenance. If that is the case, then we need to do whatever it is that we need to do to make certain that these basic human rights are in fact met. This is extremely, extremely important when it comes to matters regarding social justice. Too often, we have it reversed. In our minds, we think that we have to have certain civil rights in place in order to establish our equality. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. No slave ever got on the freedom train. Not a slave. The only people who got on the Freedom Train, the Underground Railroad, were the people who already knew that they were free. They already knew it. They may not have ever experienced it. They may not have ever seen a black free person in their life. But they knew it. They weren't getting on the Underground Railroad to go and try to be free. They were going on the Underground Railroad to go to places and spaces where people would recognize them as free. They weren't going to have to do anything but just get into the territory, just get into the land because their freedom was a part of their human essence. Let that sink in for a moment. They weren't waiting for somebody to tell them that they were free. Against all odds, against all circumstances, they already knew that they were free. And it was that inner knowledge that pushed them on to seek the freedom, and to seek the laws that would codify that. Civil laws don't make you free. Civil laws affirm an an already existing, pre-existing equality that's already there. If you take any civil rights movement, They're all coming from this same perspective, that there's something that already exists and we're trying to get the government and the powers that be to catch up with this. 
In the United States, sometimes I regret that we even called it a civil rights movement because it was essentially a spiritual rights movement. It was an, a declaration that all of us, under the eyes of God, are equal. And if, in fact, we are all equal, then the segregation, the enslavement, the Jim Crow laws, all of these kinds of things were not justifiable. These were things that were impeding our freedom. The laws didn't make us free. The laws took away the things that were blocking the freedom from being able to be expressed. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 didn't suddenly give black folks the right to vote. They already had the right to vote. What the Voting Rights Bill did was made it illegal to stand in the way of people expressing this underlying right. If we take any of the popular issues that have been in the public forefront, if we take something like marriage equality, for example, it's coming from this same position. It's coming from the position that marriage is a human right. The ability to bond with, start a family, be with whomever it is that you want to be is a basic human right. That is so much understood that even a convicted murderer on death row still has a right to marry. There is nothing that anybody can do that would take that basic right away from them. The couples that were in the court cases before the Supreme Court, these were not couples who were asking permission to be married. <laughs> these were couples who had already been together for decades. What they were asking the government to do was to stop discriminating against them, to recognize the relationships that they had as being the marriages that they actually were. The women's suffragette movement, these were not women who were asking for the right to be equal to men. These were women who were saying we're already equal. Stop standing in the way of our equality. In the Dobson decision, when the Supreme Court overturned the Roe versus Wade 
precedent. It really set people reeling. That overturn in the summer of 2022 had so many people talking about that the Supreme Court had taken a right away. To a certain extent, this is true. But I want us to be aware of that framing and that narrative, how it in fact works against us. Yes, there had been a right that had been established the right to abortion, that the Supreme Court no longer made accessible across the nation through the issue back to the states for them to make their own individual decisions about this matter. However, what is at stake here is not abortion any more than what was at stake was marriage or voting. What is at stake here is fundamental equality and the right to self-determination. Freedom. Underneath all of these issues, is this concept of freedom. The right to have agency. The right to make choices. The right to live one's life basically on uh, their own terms. To have will. To have volition. I contend that the Supreme Court cannot take that away. I repeat, the Supreme Court cannot take that away. In its infamous Dred Scott decision around 1855, when the Supreme Court in a 7-2 to two vote concluded that no one in the United States from African descent was or was ever intended to be a full citizen of the United States. They contended that the founding fathers would never do anything that reckless or irresponsible That particular ruling was fundamental to the formation of the Confederacy to succeed from the Union, for them to be able to go on and have the economies that they wanted to have based upon what the Supreme Court handed down was essentially a fundamental right that white people had to enslave black people. This was a Supreme Court ruling. 
But it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact that the basic humanity is there. And there's no amount of laws, civil laws, that can take that away. When we look at things like the Dobson decision, it's important that we don't get into the narrative that the Supreme Court took away our right to self-determination. No, it didn't. It's blocking it. It's impeding it. It's making it more difficult. But it's a very different fight when you show up and say, I have a fundamental right that you cannot deny me versus why did you take my white my right away from me and how can I get it back? Very, very different discussions with very, very different tactics about how it is that you move forward. You must start with the assumption that what it is that you're wanting to see manifest in the civil society already exists. You have to stand in it as an isness, and all you're doing is asking the laws to catch up. This has always been the case. By the time the law comes around, people have already been doing it. (laughs) By the time that the law catches up, it's already the norm in uh, most places. You don't wait. You don't wait. I had my first ceremony back in 1983. I wasn't waiting for the law to tell me that I could get married. I was among the first couples to get married in the state of California back in 2008 when the window opened up before Prop 8 came along in the state of California. But it was very similar. The California Supreme Court did not suddenly give couples of the same sex the right to marry. What they said is that the pre-existing right had been there all along and was being withheld from them. The pre-existing right that you cannot discriminate against people based upon their sex, based upon their sex. You can't tell them what they can do, where they can go, what they can have, how they can live, how much they can have, you cannot restrict them because of that. And that included their ability to choose who it is that they want to marry. 
This thinking is what we need to have all along. I don't care what the issue is. You take, for example, an issue like immigration. Just as the couples were saying, we're married, claiming that as their status, whether it was legal or not, just as the slaves in their minds claiming, I am free, whether the government was agreeing with that or not, and their allies and people around them seeing them as free, this is the same kind of mentality we have to bring to the table when it comes to something like immigration or any of the other issues. This concept of an illegal alien. People can't be illegal. We classify people, we categorize them in a way that dehumanizes them and we stop seeing people. Well, you know what? The economy of the United States does now and has always existed on the backs of people who didn't have citizenship here. This is not new news. We're just not honest about it. I live in the state of California. All my life I've lived in California. And I can tell you California is one of those states in the United States that has a very, very large immigrant population from all over the world. I grew up in Los Angeles. One of the most diverse places on the planet. The people that we're demonizing is illegal. These, a lot of these people have been here for years. They're neighbors. They're business owners. A lot of times their kids were born here. They're paying taxes. They're doing absolutely everything that a citizen would be doing. They just don't have their papers. Just like these couples were doing absolutely everything that you would want a married couple to do, they just didn't have their papers. And I contend that with immigration, we need to do the same thing that we did with marriage. I just declare them to be citizens. I refer to them as our undocumented citizens. Our undocumented citizens. It begs the question. For the law not to make them citizens, but for the laws to give them the documentation that affirms and confirms the citizenship that they have 
already been expressing and experiencing. Think about this. Think about this as a concept. Think about it as a strategy. Don't wait for the laws to try to make something be so. Make it so. And demand that the laws confirm that which already is. Think on these things. I'll see you in my next episode. Thank you for being with us. Check out my other podcast shows and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please visit my new website at revdnow.com and join my contact list. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. The question is, are you ready to change?